Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And as always, I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. Now, it's official. We are rolling through the eight departments of creating a winning hearth business. In the first part of this mini-series, we talked about your leadership department. Last week, we discussed sales, and today we are on to installation. Now, installation's a topic that you haven't heard as much about on this podcast. A lot of the things we've talked about have had to do with simplicity, customer experience, sales, marketing, thinking about what's next for our industry. And I'm really glad that today, we get to shift gears towards installation. In order to set the stage for this conversation, though, I want you to think about a rotten installation experience that you've had. So imagine you bought a product, a dishwasher, a new dryer or washer for your house. Maybe you had a small remodel project, windows, blinds. I think every single one of us can think of a time where we bought a product, we had someone show up at our house, and the experience, suffice to say, left something to be desired. I think about this for me, where a number of years ago, I actually got a free washer and dryer through one of our manufacturers. They had this great rewards program. I'd sold a bunch of units, and I got a free washer and dryer, and I was super excited about it. Now, what happened was that free washer and dryer also came with free installation. The problem was the people showed up at my house. They were dirty. They didn't protect my floors. They dinged up my front door. They actually dinged up the washer and the dryer as they hauled it into my house. And after they left, I was just disgusted. And I was like, man, like I would have paid for a professional to come in and do this. And while I don't fault the manufacturer that had this promotion I do look at the company that provided the installation and I'm not going to do business with them again because of the taste that was left in my mouth when their installers came to my house. Because the taste that was left in my mouth when their installers left my house. And we all have situations like this. The truth is in our businesses, our installation is the final touch of our company and I would actually say it's the strongest impression. Your installers can cause customers to forgive egregious sins in the showroom. They can also take an unbelievable customer experience to that point and absolutely ruin it. There's power in the installation. And I would say there's actually not many companies that truly perform a signature install where the installers really know what's expected of them. They have their processes documented out of what they do when they get to the house how they explain the job to the customer, the pictures that they take, the boxes that they check to verify that their work was done properly, and then they have paperwork to document it. As we jump into this conversation with Grant, I mean, just laying my cards on the table, I do a lot of work with Grant. And there have been times in our relationship where I watch him speak and I get jealous. And I think to myself, man, this guy really gets it. And I wish I understood it like him. When he talks about installation, that's one of those moments for me. 
I first heard him talk about this. We were driving in a car together to Aberdeen, Washington, and Grant is talking to me about what he's going to be communicating to this business. He's going through seven steps of a perfect install, and I'm driving the car just listening, and my jaw's on the floor. I'm saying, dude, I can't believe this. This is literally the best installation system I have ever heard of. As I've seen him talk about this more and more, I believe that his view on installation will change our industry. We'll see what he does with it down the road, but I'm telling you, listen to this now because it is powerful and this is low-hanging fruit that will absolutely change the way that your company runs. So you're probably going to need a notepad for this episode, and there's some things that I want to talk about at the end, but first I want you to hear the conversation. So I'll get out of the way, and we'll jump back on at the end so that we can wrap up the conversation. Joining me from Spokane, Washington is Grant Falco, and Grant, I am so excited for this conversation today. You know, we're going systematically through the different departments in a hearth company, and we're on to installation now, which is one of the most important areas of your business. And it's something that we haven't spent as much time on in this podcast because this has been very sales, marketing, communication oriented. And as we start to move into the installation and service side, we really start to get into your wheelhouse. And I want to ask you just to start this out. When you're structuring your company, big picture, why do we need to think so much about delivering the perfect installation? Whoa, right out of the gates, loaded question. Um, (laughs) Right right off the bat, uh, 15 years ago, 17 years ago, whenever I got into this business, I, I quickly realized, I mean, even younger that the installation was kind of the lifeline and the revenue base uh, that we we operated on. And so uh, I knew that it was absolutely vital for me to figure out how do we improve this? I was, I was tired of listening to this is how it's always been, uh, that we can't get any better than this, or it's hard to get installers, or it's hard to keep them happy. I was tired of all those things. So I guess in, in a way, I got fed up and, and started to build a process towards a perfect installation, thinking if you strive for perfection, don't expect it maybe, but if you strive for it, uh, I think you have an opportunity to get close. And, and that's what we've done here at Falco's, I believe. Oh, I'm, I'm totally with you. And I think that you do such a good job of this. In fact, you've, you've put a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today into a course that's called Delivering the Perfect Installation. And I think that with a lot of companies... They do installs, but it's not necessarily measured. There's not really a process to it. You know, they go out and most of the time it passes inspection and and that's considered a successful install. But I think that what you've done is like you've drawn some really specific lines in the sand of like, this is how we do it. This is part of our customer experience. And I'll never forget, there was one time, it's a couple of years back where I I called you about an installation situation that I was in. And I asked, what would you do? And, and you basically came back to me and was like, Tim, that, that shouldn't have happened. Like, you should have caught that on the confirmation call. And I'll never forget that, that because you have a process holistically to the way that install is done, it doesn't mean that everything goes perfect, but it sets you up with credibility where if you have to come to the customer with a, an issue or a complaint or, a, or address something, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt what has been done up to that point, And that gives you power in dealing with it. Totally. You know, I'm realizing something as you're talking, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, 
family businesses, you grow up in the business. And I grew up in a unique way in this business. And uh, I, I hate to admit this, but I, I didn't do a lot of hands-on. We had a nursery and a fireplace company. And I worked a lot in the nursery because it was the summertime. That was what we did. And the fireplace company was really developed in the last 25 years. And I never got into the installation part per se. I was an assistant every once in a while when I could, but I was an athlete and had other things going on. So when I came back from the business, you know, a unique story, I was an online e-commerce employee for Falco's and we had a a website that was um, going strong. And that's what I did at the beginning. Uh, When things kind of folded up in 2007, 2008, uh, I I transferred positions and went over to um, Falco's and really kind of stumbled into a position of doing estimates. And not having the experience was actually a huge blessing for me. I quickly realized that how people thought about the estimates was wrong. We weren't out there trying to sell a product. We were out there managing the consumer's expectations. And mm. being a part of that that bid process and being new into it was was a cool experience because I realized it started with the sales staff and how they set me up to win. And then it was my job to set the installers up to win and what could happen in between there to make sure that that continued to happen. So that opportunity kind of being thrown into that because of the the crazy times it was, uh, was a huge blessing and allowed me to develop a kind of a a seven-step process to the perfect installation. Well, that's where we're going to go in a second. But man, I'm writing this down as you're saying it. We aren't out there to sell a product. We are out there to manage a customer's expectations. I think you just hit the nail on the head. Can you expand on that? Yeah. So, you know, um, we have a unique way of doing uh, estimates here. Maybe it's not unique. Maybe some people do it the same way, but uh, you and I have talked a lot about this and you guys do it a little bit differently, although you have changed a a little bit of the way you're doing it as well. We have uh, right now three inside sales representatives. And they are the people that are the concierge to the customer. They are the ultimate contact, the person that starts the process and completes the entire process with them. But they do not, in fact, go out to the consumer's home. Mm -hmm. They are obligated to set that up for the one person that does it. We believe to keep that part of our business consistent to get over to the installer. So when you're out there as a bid person and how we have it set up, he's out there to finalize and sell the product as you know but he's out there to make sure that it's right that what the salesperson was selling them was correct and then he's giving them a price and then he's making sure that everything is dialed in for the installation group which is a difficult position to be put in Mm -hmm. and so uh with that the bid getting the expectations to the installers there's all sorts of ways we can do that and so since we have it set up that way uh, it would start with the sales staff uh, and the sales staff would uh, be managing expectations because the customers coming in and we've talked about this so many times, Tim, not looking for a product. What are they looking for? They're looking for a solution to the problem that they have. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's the rubs we're selling or the fireplaces we're selling, but the gas insert gas fireplace wood stove have to solve that problem. And, uh, and so, yeah, managing expectations is key and how it's set up. We have to kind of, since we're passing it off, we have to be super good at managing expectations and it goes from the sales staff to the bid person. That story has to be about managing that customer's expectations. And then when they're done with the bid, whether Dwayne closed the deal or not, that sales staff has to follow up. And again, 
manage that customer's expectations. And, and it goes on and on, but managing expectations is something that I realized quickly was our number one responsibility. And it comes down to understanding the customer's problem from the very beginning and just doing whatever you can to solve that problem. Uh, super insightful. And I think I want to I wanna back up and, and let's talk about if we're building an installation department. I know that a lot of people are going to be sitting here with downtime due to the crisis that's been going on, trying yeah. to figure out how do we do this. But th- I want to highlight this idea because the truth is if your company doesn't install the products that you sell, you have no value proposition that sets you apart from an online-only retailer. And that's got to be understood. So when you offer installation, that's giving you a competitive advantage that will help protect you from being disrupted from these online-only retailers. And if we don't take our installation seriously, and there's really no value proposition to the installation part of our business, then, I mean, we're, we're going to get cherry-picked by online well, vendors that have less overhead and can, can get stuff out the door cheaper and quicker. Well, and this crisis has only exacerbated that situation for us. I mean, people don't buy from salespeople. They buy from experts. In our industry, they buy from experts. And if you're not installing or servicing, uh, are you the expert? And what distinguishes you from the online retailer, especially if they don't charge sales tax, free shipping and get it right to their door and have an installer network to set it up? you have to install nowadays. And, and yeah. in my presentation, I, I talk about the great debate, install or to not install. And I wasn't shy about it. I think it's crazy to not install as uh, a small business or a hearth retailer. That is where the expertise comes in. And salespeople's knowledge on the installation is absolutely key to managing that customer's expectations and solving their problem. I'm absolutely with you. So, so as we're circling around this, I want to ask you, so how, how do you capitalize and grow your installation team in a seasonal business? Ooh, uh, there's so many answers to that. So I think it starts with um, understanding the seasons, understanding that there's a, an, an off season and a, an, uh, an in season, but I would, I would, I would call them uh, an invest season in your off season and a payoff season. You really have to think about it in two different ways. Uh, invest in the off season, we have been taught to, to take a step back in the off season, to lay back and to, to not worry about things. But man, that's our opportunity to solve the problems we can't solve in the season. And you work to pay off for the six months that we can sell stuff and install stuff. And if, if you can install two products a day versus one product a day, how much can you grow your business in that six months? So I'd say it starts by getting that figured out on how you want to operate your business in two different seasons. I'm speaking specifically to hearth retailers. Um, the second thing is, is how do you handle the onboarding, the training, uh, and the accountability of that installer themselves? And, uh, I think that that's where it really starts is how you hire, how you manage your employees, uh, and how you allow them to be, uh, to win by being accountable. And, uh, so that would be one of the steps. And then the last thing is is how you run a, a consistent learning scenario. I believe that, uh, if you want to hold people accountable, you have to do it on a consistent basis. And it's important to, to keep, that consistent leadership in order to, to grow it. But I would say it starts with how you divide up your seasons and, and how you look at that and then the people that you hire and how you grow them and, and then obviously how you perform the installation. 
Yeah, and and I love like you talk about how you need to look at the fact that you've got 130 installation days, and you have to yeah. value every single one of them. Yep. And and I think a lot of businesses they don't look at that. They don't look at okay, I've got 130 days. If, if something falls out, or if we have to go back to a job a second time, we don't get that day back, right? It's it, it's gone. And I think that I think that the way you've you've broken that down, you've been able to use that as a as a metric to say we're going all in on this, and this is the time to grow our business. Tim, it's a mentality too. It's uh, if my mentality is of the utmost, we do not lose a day. We do not lose a day. If I have someone calling sick or two people calling sick, I don't lose that day. I got warehouse guys that are backup installers, whatever we can. And I've bled that mentality through my coordination. And it's absolutely key. You'll always get more. Maximize every day. If you suspend a day from a Wednesday to the following Monday, you lost that Wednesday. You can never get that back. And that mentality is absolutely vital. And I would say that that mentality, seven or eight years ago, when the leadership team, kind of the four of us started getting together consistently, that mentality, I think, is one of the biggest single reasons for our growth from two installation crews to four, four and a half installation crews this last year. Well, and and you have a number, I, I'm assuming you got it off the top of your head of how many days this last year people were sick or there were absences and things like that versus how many installs you moved. Can you share that? Yeah. So I can't remember the number off the top of my head anymore, but I, I want to say it was anywhere from 75 to 80 call in six sick days basically for the installation group, whether it was assistants or leads. And we only moved and lost two installation days overall. Wow. And that's a huge win for our staff. I mean, and the cool part is, Tim, is it's a win for our staff because we have it measurable on a weekly basis. We track how many jobs we lost. We track how many installs we do per week. And so my team knows when they don't fulfill that. And that is absolutely key. And that's, you know, down the road in this conversation, maybe, but that is consistent accountability to those expectations. Absolutely key. Oh man, you're absolutely right. Well, okay. So I want to ask you this. So if we're, if we're trying to create a perfect installer, you, you kind of talk about four areas and, and you can take this wherever you want to go, but you talk about how you got to onboard them. You have to have focus training, clear expectations and consistent accountability. Can you talk real quick? If, if someone's coming in and they're, they're saying, Hey, I want to invest, I want to create this perfect installer. How do you, where, where do you, where do you start? Well, okay. So I hear all the time, I need better people. I need better people. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you got to make them. Okay. You got to, first of all, you have, our industry uh, struggles against HVAC and HVAC industry in our area. It's hard to hire against HVAC, but I need HVAC talent a lot of times. So I believe it's, it's finding the people that are close enough to make great. And so I would say it starts with your onboarding process taking it seriously, having a structure in which you grade and understand these people. And then how do you accept them onto the team? I say onboarding versus hiring because you have to have a plan. Yeah. And then how do you train? You know, once you've onboarded them, you got to get them trained on sell, install and all that stuff, but also the internal part of your business. And you got to think a little bit differently when you're going through that training, you got to inspire them at the same time. So out-of-the-box training is really important. Uh, but also, you know, there is a little bit in the training part to baptism by fire. Let's, let's get them going and out there. So there's a balancing act there, and I do understand that. But I think, Tim, 
honestly, the most important parts other than onboarding and trading are creating clear expectations Amen. and then holding them accountable. And that sounds so bad, right? Like hold them accountable. Oh, I'm going to stand over them with a stick and, you know, and make sure that they're doing this. No, man, we, That's, we, we want accountability. Like everybody wants it. And they don't even realize it. They don't even realize it. And so I would say that setting goals, defining roles, having clear expectations, and it really comes down to, you know, weekly meetings and key performance indicators. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I, I feel like we always end up back there, but it's so true. The weekly meetings, my staff loves to come to the weekly meetings now, and I'm not just saying that. They like it because they get to see if they win. And they want to win. They know how to win. And when they don't, it's okay because it's an unemotional situation where we can learn from that. So I would say in order to develop the perfect installer, it really comes down to leadership and how you hold your employees accountable. If your employees aren't happy, it's because you're not holding them accountable. I'm just telling you right now, they're not winning. They might be winning every day, but unless you're holding them accountable and showing them their score of what they're doing, they don't know. You don't know, and everybody needs to. Yep. Well, it's like, you know, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And, totally. and how often is it that we say, well, we do professional installations? And it's like, do you? Like, does your team actually know what's expected of them? Do they actually know the process every single time that has to happen? Or is it just that you give them the manual, and if it passes inspection, then it was a good install? It's not the way it 100%. works. 100%. And, and I, I want to go back to this. Clear expectations are difficult to put together goals are difficult to put together. It's so easy to say, but it's not easy to do. But that hard work up front clears the path to make it easy long term. And so you got to get through the expectations. You got to figure out what does Grant mean? What does Tim mean when he says clear expectations for our installers? Ask us, we can help, but it's up to you to figure that out. It's up to you, you and your business. And then the meeting consistently is absolutely, if you... You can, clear, you can make clear expectations, but if you don't hold it accountable consistently uh, with you know, weekly meetings or biweekly meetings and a scoreboard to, where they know if they're winning or losing, all those clear expectations mean nothing. Yes. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I want to get to the seven steps that you have towards a perfect install, but I want to I just have you tell a story first. Actually, I'm going to ask you to tell two stories. <laughs> okay. one, one is um, a couple years ago, we met up in Portland. It was the first time that I was able to meet Andrea and that you were able to meet Jessica. We were out yeah. getting dinner. And over that weekend, you had a bombshell dropped on you that you had to recover from very quickly. Can you tell that story and, and just to explain what is possible? Yeah. Um, man, I just got a, a pit in my stomach with you bringing it up. Uh, so it was, was it... Uh, Two Augusts ago, so yep. two and a half years ago, uh, I was going into the fall season, uh, making the transition from two to three installation crews, proudly ready, set up, going through training. And uh, mid-August, somewhere around there, I had uh, one installer come to me and, and put in his notice, one of my lead installers who I've invested in for four years. And then uh, uh, a day later, I had two others give their notice all ending up going to the same place. Uh, and, and I understand that's, you know, I want to, I want what's best for my employees. So I'm grateful that they can go and find greener pastures for themselves. 
but it was an unbelievable position to be put in. I mean, where I, you know, you've heard me emphasize installation is our lifeline. It truly is. And, and you're I a just, month away from the season. And I'm a month away from the season and saw it just disappearing with advertising set up, all these things, you know, payoff season. Let's, let's get to September and rock this. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so I had uh, an Evisys conference, which is our, our, our management system for our, 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 our business and uh, uh, ended up being in Portland. So I got to see you guys and, and go down to that, uh, that conference. And, and actually, it was a blessing to kind of get away, although so difficult to leave the team. It was a blessing to be with my wife, to see you guys, to kind of get out. And, and the conference was really good because it was talking about basically how to make your business better and, and yeah. ways to, to make it more efficient. Well, what ended up happening one of the nights there, uh, I woke up literally in the middle of the night and I was like, I got it. I got the answer. And, and it literally happened just like that. I pulled out my computer and wow. I put together an eight week training program <laughs> and, and, and no joke. Uh, it wasn't perfect and it, but the structure was yeah. put together and my, my, my rational and the way I thought was, okay, I got to install. I got to figure out how to install. I had a guy that I had just moved into the parts division uh, who was a former installer. As I grew, I was growing, growing internally. Very thankful for that. Uh, and a, a recent sales edition was a former lead installer. One of my best, actually. And so I brought them back onto the installation team as lead installers. And two guys worked underneath them. Took a hit in overhead, obviously by adding, adding a third person there. And we installed with those two, those two teams with a structure on a weekly basis to learn. So they had an objective on a weekly basis. Those two guys, Anthony and Damon, my leads who were coming out of position to, uh, to, to train, were installing, getting us a revenue, but were incentivized through uh, bonuses to get these guys to be leads in eight weeks. Wow. And the goal was to take them from lead candidates to leads and then get those guys back to their positions within those eight weeks. And amazing enough, we did it. And on top of that, we added, we had an employee who was a former installer, uh, take a year off from school and just happened to need a job. So we were able to get three installs done all season long, although not as good as we've done in the past, was a huge learning experience on how you can overcome those things, how you can, can train quickly for those things. And truthfully, Tim, when I look back at it, I think, I thank God for it because, yeah. uh, I am so much better today. And now we're at to four, four and a half crews. And I am able to grow because of that time, because of what we did at that time. Dude, that's amazing that that adversity shaped you. Cause, cause without that adversity, you never would have come up with a structure of how to, of how to do this. Cause there, there was no reason to. And there I think was already that even, a structure in place. I just didn't realize it wasn't working as well. Exactly. And I think that that's, that's the beauty of crisis. Like the situation that we're in now is devastating, but it's making us learn and think about things in our business and, and come up with ideas and, and frameworks that never would have been created otherwise. The, the last no thing I question. want to ask you about, because I think that this is really important. You mentioned in passing earlier about the invest season versus the payoff season. Yeah. And you made the decision to go the opposite way of many companies this last year and in the off season to hire more techs and installers. And you dealt with overhead. You 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 had to find ways to distribute their their workload throughout the the off season. But that was a strategic bet that paid off big time for you, right? Yeah. Um so go going back, you know, 
over the last two or three years, we've, we've implemented kind of an execution system where we meet on a weekly, each team or department meets on a weekly basis. And so we decided that we needed, once we realized how much work we could get done in that method, we decided that we really had to identify what the seasons were. And I was tired of everybody saying off season. I was just tired of it. I was like, that's not what it is anymore. And so we, we came up and it was really awkward to say at first, but we, we start, I started not allowing anybody to say off season I and people it. would even correct me. And it was about the invest season. And we started a couple of years ago and now all of us say it, but it's a, it's a mentality to get better and a constant reminder that this is the time to get better. Now, we still have to do our jobs. We still have to install, but the, the demand isn't there. The demand is there September through February in the payoff season. And really, for us, once we kind of classified and clarified there, uh, this last season was super stressful because my parents who own this company aren't a part of the weekly mantra and investment that, that go on in this company. And so I meet with them weekly and go over the books, right? <laughs> and so they're seeing the trend of our off-season cost to going up. And I told them over and over again, and had to tell them so much that I started to question it a little bit myself, but that it's worth it. It's building to the payoff season. And it, like you said earlier, I, I, I say 130 days, in the payoff season. And that's five days a week for six months, basically. And if you want to, Saturdays do it. Uh, But I needed to build for that. The demand is so great that I can't even keep up. All of us can't keep up in the payoff season. Well, we can't keep up because we're never preparing to get better. And so uh, the only way to get to four crews is to invest in them early and to pay for early for the payoff later on. And uh, it was amazing. My parents and I love them. I, I, and they do trust me and have so much trust in me. It's amazing. But I could see some doubt. Yeah. I could see some doubt in July. Well, it had never August. been done that way before. Everybody, you know, in, in the quote unquote off season, well, this is when we do temporary layoffs. We, we uh, you know, we, we lean back to just the essential people. We just got to get through it. And the results, and and Tim, like it was so satisfying to sit there in September and sit there in October and November. uh, And my parents honestly look at me and say, how is this happening? (laughs) Like, and it's because they're not a day, they're not a part of every week, every day, all those meetings. It's a huge sacrifice, especially on the leader's part to get that type of stuff started. But Tim, to add to that story, we couldn't have done what we're doing in this crisis without that investment last year. Yes. There is no way we would be as comfortable as we are right now or even entering into this six weeks ago if we wouldn't have made that investment last year and gotten the payoff we got this year. Dude, that's so good. Well, I'm doing some math here. Okay, so if you have 130 days in the season and let's just say that your average crew does two jobs a day, so that means that 130 times two, you're at 260 extra jobs that are getting installed. What average cost of sale five grand? Mm-hmm. So okay, you add an extra crew. That's an extra 1.3 million dollars for your business. Yeah, and you could say, yeah. well, you know, we may not be able to sell that much, dude. In season, you can always sell that much. Like installation is always the lid. And so having the capacity to do those extra 260 installs, like that is totally worth carrying overhead through the rest of the year, as long as you plan for it and budget. And it's crazy. It's 
only high overhead for three or four months that we have never had it. It's not, if you average it out, it doesn't end up being more for the revenue you get. You make more money. $1.3 million in revenue equates out to more than it's going to cost you for that investment. We'll get back to our conversation with Grant Falco in just one minute. Now, if you want to set your installation team up for success, and for that matter, your entire company, you have to check out wifire.com. Imagine this scenario. Say that you've got a customer that is thinking about a fireplace. The problem is it's 10 o'clock at night and everybody's closed. So they go to a manufacturer's website and get confused. They go to a couple local dealers' webpages and they still get confused. They end up on your website and they clearly understand exactly which models will work for their exact space. They fill out some information, even take a picture of their home, send it to you, and receive an instant estimate range customized for their exact situation. They look at the range and think, hey, that looks good, and there's a link on it to book an appointment. They click the link, they find a time that's convenient for them, and they go to bed excited. You, on the other hand, receive an email letting you know there's a customer who's looked at this product, you've got all the dimensions of their space, you've got pictures, you've got everything you need to go out there and win the sale. Well, if this is a scenario that you think would set your team up for success, then you have to sign up for Wi-Fire. You'll be able to provide customers instant estimate ranges for their specific projects, schedule appointments with people who are ready to buy, and use automated follow-up to nurture every prospect to the point of a sale. This is something that we've seen transform the way that leads are generated in our industry. And right now, during the COVID crisis, there has never been a better time to take control of your digital experience. So if you'd like to do that, you can sign up today by going to wifire.com. That's W-H-Y-F-I-R-E.com. Okay, well, I've, I've beat around this for a while, and I want to hit these seven steps before we finish out here, okay? So, Grant, in, in your presentation, Delivering the Perfect Install, you have seven steps to do this. And, and I'm not going to lie, the very first time that I heard this, we were in the car driving out to Aberdeen, Washington together, and it's me and you and my sister in the back <laughs> seat because she's, she's doing some, some video work for us. And we're just kind of chatting about what we're going to be talking about as we go to this business. And you just start hitting me with, yeah, I'm going to do this, then this, then this. And I'm listening like, are you kidding me? Like, this is literally the most amazing thing I have ever heard in regards to intentionality with the process, okay? So we've talked about why you need to invest. We've talked about how you onboard and have a framework for growing your installers. This is where the rubber meets the road, okay? So... You've got seven steps. And guys that are listening, get out a pen and take notes. I know seven steps can be complicated, okay? But I'm going to give you a hint. Step one is manage their expectations. Grant, what's step two? It's manage their expectations. Step three is manage expectations, okay? You want to guess what step four is? Guys, installing is managing expectations. I want to go through this in a little bit of detail, Grant. Step one, at the sale, what do you have to do to manage their expectations? Well, Tim, we are 
crazy about this. I'm crazy about this. I literally have a store meeting every Thursday. And uh, in, in, at some point in there, I'll ask my staff, what is a consumer looking for when they contact us, when they come into our store? It doesn't matter what it is, what are they looking for? And so at the sale, in order to manage the consumer's expectations as well as, as you can, you have to understand their problem and provide a solution for that. Uh, I would say that a cost would be associated with that. They want the they want the solution, but they also have to know how much it's going to cost. And so, really, from the beginning, you want to manage their expectations by solving the problem, asking a lot of questions, going through an investigation type of sales process. I can't stand it when I hear my sales staff answering a bunch of questions. From a consumer, I, my office is above. If yeah. I hear them answering a bunch of questions, I know that they're not getting to what they need to by asking questions and, and getting uh, that problem solved and then giving them a price for that. Yes. That's what it's all about. And in our process, at that stage, then they set up the bid. So if they've solved the problem, I would imagine, and given a ballpark range to it, uh, that customer is, uh, is ready for us to come out at that point majority of the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to customers have two questions. What's going to work in my space, i.e. Yep. what's going to solve my problem yep. and how much is it going to cost? If you send a bid person out to the house without setting those expectations, dude, you're yep. setting them up for failure. Okay. Nope. Exactly right. And then to add to step one, setting them up with a plan. So our sales staff now has solved the problem, given them a cost to it, and then gives them a plan by saying, okay, now what we can do is we can take a $500 deposit and we can have Dwayne come out. We schedule an installation date for you. We give them a plan. Then I'll follow up with you. Then you'll get the confirmation that we, we take them through the process so that they feel comfortable before even setting up the estimate that we have a plan of completion. And uh, it's amazing how easy it is to get that 500 deposit once you've solve their problem, giving them a ballpark range, and then ask, giving them a plan and ask for some money. I love it, man. Okay. So, so step one, I mean, installation starts in the showroom. 100%. Managing those expectations. Okay. Step two is when you're in the customer's home, how do you manage their expectations? It's, it's truly verifying that that solution that you guys are selling them is solving their problem. So I'll give you an example. When I used to do estimates, I had this one scenario where a customer was uh, purchasing an amazing non-catalytic wood stove that we sell. Brand new, beautiful, non-catalytic wood stove. When I got out to the estimate, I realized that we were replacing a non-catalytic wood stove. <laughs> and actually a nice one, only maybe 10 years old, low pie, realizing that maybe what she was buying wasn't that different than what she had. I asked what the problems were. Like, why are you thinking about this? And all of a sudden I realized it's a smoke back issue. It's a functionality issue of maybe it's not working on that chimney or in that environment that it is. She has tall trees. She's on the backside of a hill. Uh, She had insulated chimney, no outside air. What I felt like at that point was if I sell her a wood stove, am I solving her problem? Hmm. No, because it's going to do the exact same thing. And what's difficult for us as bid, salespeople, whatever, is to turn them on to something else because they think there's ulterior motives. You just have to explain that you understand their problem and that maybe the 
better solution is to go gas. So I asked her if she would feel comfortable if I would quote a gas option and send her some information in regards to what gas could do for her. Also, while emphasizing being that as a wood stove in the basement, that gas works when the power goes out. It was a pretty easy conversion. She signed up for the gas right away, went with a gas stove with 50 feet of gas piping because that was what solved her problem. Now, my sales staff didn't do anything wrong. He sold her a great stove, but he didn't find out why she was looking for that stove and what the problem was. And so when you go out to the home, you got to verify that your solution is the solution that they're looking for. And you got to fix up that cost, obviously. Close that sale. Yes, in, in the home, you must make sure it solves their problem and you must, in the home, give them a final number and ask to get on the schedule. I mean, I guess in your case, you take the money before, but if we you try go out to. to the house, if you go out to the house at no, at no charge, you have to ask for the money when you're yep. out there. Okay. Yep. So that's step two at the bid. Step three is yeah. post bid. Yep. So how do we manage their expectations post bid? Okay. So this is a big deal for me. Uh, when I did the bid job, I used to feel like I got passed to me and then it just stuck with me. And, and truthfully, that's not fair. We didn't even follow up on our bids. We would literally write a bid out there and then we would never follow it up. We would wait for, we'd get a deposit, never follow up. And I just, I, didn't understand that. I didn't understand marrying up what had just happened. So uh, what we require, since the salesperson is the ultimate contact and the liaison to the sale and the installation, we ask that no matter if Dwayne took a deposit out there or did not take a deposit out there, we ask that uh, our salesperson follow up. Dwayne is expected to fill out a line item quote with a detailed scope of work at the bottom. Our sales staff is required to uh, to uh, follow up with the consumer and review that and document what they reviewed with the consumer. We have found if we do this, we are again managing exactly what Dwayne talked to them about, what they got in far, as far as a quote, and marry that up as all the same information for everybody. And so, yeah, I mean, we expect our sales staff to fully understand the install, to be able to explain it and answer any questions on the install when following up with them after the bid. That's really good. Yeah. So, so step three, so post bid, the sales team, they review the proposal, they review the scope of work so they understand it. They follow up with the customer to ask if all their questions are answered and to go through, this is what we're going to do. This is what we talked about. And then they document the conversation. Yeah. And, and, so, and I want I want to emphasize the documentation thing. You're going to get tons of, of, of um, kickback on that. You, you, people don't want to take the extra step of document. You got to document it. You got to oh. document it because that's all that matters. Well, they, you, down the road when the customer's got a problem and you've got documentation of this is what was discussed, man, like you have to have that. And in our case, it's not just once or twice. It's at the sale. It's documented on what the expectations were. At the bid, it's documented on what the expectations were. On the follow-up, it's, you know, it's, you got to do it more than one time even to make sure that everything goes fluid. This is the perfect installation. This isn't just a good installation, yes. right? Yes. Okay. So that brings us to step four. Okay. So step four is when we have a confirmation call with the customer prior to the install. And guess what? Step four, you manage their expectations. How do you do that at the confirmation call? Yeah. So we have an install coordinator uh, that coordinates all our jobs. And actually we have a team now that kind of is doing it as we grow, but uh, we confirm and inform. So we confirm the same information 
the line item, the dollar amount, the scope of work, uh, any questions. And then we inform on the things they need to know about us coming out there, what we do, what they need to cover, uh, what to expect when we come out there, what to expect on payment, permit, all that stuff. And we always have a conversation or at least leave three voicemails in order to do that. And what we have found is it's kind of like a purchase agreement. It's like we're, we got the sales side, you got the payments side, you got the installation side, and that coordinator with that confirmation call is putting all that information together and just making sure one last time that we're all on the same page before we come out there. Well, it's amazing. And, and I, I can think of so many situations that I have seen over the years where installers go out and they don't want to collect the money or they don't want to talk to the customer about it. The customer's like, well, I thought that you were doing this. I thought the remote control was included. That's what the salesperson said. And, <laughs> yep. and I, I love this because I've talked to you about this in the past and, and you've just been like, Tim, that doesn't happen here because on the confirmation call, we confirm the proposal. We confirm what they're buying and we inform them this is what will be due at the time of installation. And dude, that step, that is such a game changer and it sets everybody up for success. It does. And we hold it accountable. I mean, there's a support staff meeting every week and we review what she, what, how many confirmation calls she's doing. Is she doing them two days before? I mean, we hold that accountable because it has to happen every time. All these steps have to happen every time. Okay. And I'm going to ask you this. Do you trust your coordinators to operate just on their own, always have this down, or do you give them a script? They have a script. 100%. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Everyone needs no. one. Well, well, it's like painting the lines on the court, Tim. You got to yeah. paint the lines on the court to keep it consistent. And that's what we're trying to do. Yep. Okay. So I want to move on to step five, which is when you arrive at the installation, how do we manage their expectations? Yeah. And this is really where you make or break your installation. This is where you have uh, a million problems or no problems. Yes. It seriously starts here. And so uh, I'll start by saying, I tell my installers and service guys and even my bid people, uh, when you go into a home, you're either gaining points or losing points. With Dude, every it's like a love action. bank in a marriage relationship. It is. And so from the very beginning, you're being judged. And are you gaining points? This has to be your thought process all the time. Yes. And so... So our installers are, are expected to understand that throughout. So well, it, it starts at the very beginning. And this is something that I've talked about. You've talked about uh, me just being kind of crazy about, but we don't park in the driveway. We park in front of the house, in the street, visible to the customer, get out together, introduce ourselves, and then politely ask if we can park in the street or where we should park to get our work started. We're, we're bonus 10 points just with that action before we even got started. We're taking the customer's consideration into respect from the very beginning. Are they going to pull out of their driveway today? Do they got to go yeah. to work? Are they sensitive to, you know, like, is their house perfectly clean and you can tell they don't want people on their driveway? Or do you, you know, is there potential oil leak? All that stuff Dude. that you want to eliminate. And it's points up. And then you review a few of the pain points, the permit, the payment, things that the customer is kind of wondering how it's all going to go right off the bat. Here's our plan for permit. Here's our plan for payment. And then we get into the scope of work and we do a physical walkthrough. They and the assistant and then the assistant pills off after a certain point starts getting things ready. They walk through the job. 
tell them what they're going to do. Ask if it's okay. Just make sure that they understand how the process is going to go. And then they try to do a a question and answer. What questions do you have? Uh, Can I answer them right now? And hey, please be thinking as I'm working here today, write down your questions because at the end of this, we're going to take you through a final walkthrough of operations of this appliance and what we did just to make sure we, we did exactly what you expect. And I would love to answer your questions then. That is so amazing. And I think that there's a lot of fear associated with this. And you think about like this, installers can be sometimes nervous to talk to people and understandably so. But when you give them a framework, hey, when you get to the job, take this piece of paper and review it with the customer. Look at this scope of work and just walk through what you're going to do. It becomes a little less intimidating because they know what's in front of them. You're not just randomly saying, well, just show up and just walk them through it. You're giving them a step one, step two, step three. And that makes it where even an installer who's not super comfortable talking to people, at least they've got a plan to follow. Like you said, you, you put lines on the court. Well, but, and some I, people will say micromanaging. Like some people are going to listen to this and think, oh, well, Grant's obviously a micromanager. And I would say that it's it's not even close to that. It's actually opposite of yeah. that. So if you rely on your employees to remember everything, are they going to? No, I can't no. remember everything. Heck no. And is 80% perfect? No. No. So you have to have it written down, documented, and it makes it easier for them. Although it's a tough step. I'm not saying it's easy to get implemented, but once they realize it, it's actually easier for them. Well, and we- it allows us to make one mistake or to do one thing and to add to the process. As soon as we make that mistake, we're like, oh, we won't make that again because we can change this part of our process. You just hit the nail on the head. And I want to go back to the analogy of the love bank, right? So you've got, you, you, you think about the customer experience, right? And you're either making investments into that bank or you're making withdrawals. And it's like a, a relationship, right? Is if your relationship has a healthy bank, it can it can weather a storm because you've got enough to cover the check. But you think about the consumer experience in a lot of businesses. And 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 let's say that they come into the showroom and they get excited about a product. But they're not really given a, a accurate price in the showroom for what it's going to cost. And then the person that comes out for the bid ends up being about 20 minutes late. Not super late, about 20 minutes, but they didn't call. And they get out to the house and it turns out it's actually more expensive than they thought. And the bid person's like, well, yeah, but there's some things to think about. Let me, we'll go back and crunch some numbers. I'll send it to you this evening. And instead it comes a couple days later, right? But I mean, but it's, it's it's an accurate number. It was just a little bit late. So the customer places the deposit and they don't get a call for four days. Maybe there's a, there's a three day weekend and all of a sudden it's been four days and, and you know, they parted with whatever, $5,000 and they don't have that call yet. And then your crew shows up, parks in the driveway, their truck is leaking a little bit of oil. They get out, they start installing it and they run into an issue. Does that customer have any investment in the bank that's going to cover that check? None. 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 Versus if you go through the process like you're talking about here where expectations are set accurately on the showroom floor the bid person comes out on time makes sure that this solves the problem confirms the number at the house they get a call right away from the salesperson following up and reiterating they get a confirmation call from a team member going through expectations the install crew shows up on site doesn't park in the driveway walks the customer graciously through what they're going to do and then they run into a slight issue which one of those has a situation where the customer has more goodwill built up. Like it's a no brainer. No brainer. And when customers don't have that equity built up, they find 
all the other problems they would have never said anything about. So instead oh, yeah. of just that one issue, you've opened up Pandora's box on an, a ton of issues. We've all been there before. Oh, yeah. And that's uh, because you're not building equity from the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Step six is the installation wrap up. And guess what? It's the same thing. Meet their expectations. How do you meet a customer's expectations as you're wrapping up the install? Okay. Well, I mean, since you've created clear expectations through the entire process, it's fairly easy to wrap up on those expectations as, as long as you've hit the mark. And the cool part about this is you know if you haven't hit the mark right away, right? So we verify the customer is happy. That's the first thing. We have them look at it. It's all cleaned up. We want to make sure that the customer is happy. And we so actually good. ask them. We want to document. Is the customer happy? Uh, we review the install not just the operations. So we review what we did and why. Because so that is sometimes in question. It's their home, right? It's their home. They want to know what you did. And if it matches up to what you said, then great. Yeah. And if it, ma- if it doesn't, you better have talked to them through the process as, as it changes to make sure they're okay with it. Uh, and then you go through the operations of the appliance. You take them through, you wait for the fan to kick on, you do all that, the necessary steps there, and you make sure that you've answered all their questions. The last thing that we do is we, and we do this through the entire uh, installation, but we have a one page, very, very small print, complete installation checklist. It's everything you need to cover on any install. And if it does not apply, you just put NA, but you fill out every part of that. And that assures us that we're walking out of that house 100% complete every time. I will say, we make mistakes still. With all this that happens, sometimes there are mistakes that happen. But if I'm, if I'm making mistakes with seven, a seven-step process that does this, how often are you making mistakes when you don't have oh. a process like that? Yeah. And I, I know that we, it happens very minimal, but I don't want to act like we're perfect. Like it, We strive for it, but we don't expect it. And then we, we have ways of kind of taking care of when we make mistakes as well. Well, but yeah, we complete that installation checklist, make sure the customer is happy, go over operations and nine and times out of 10. And your team is graded on the thoroughness of their installation checklist, right? I mean, yeah. this is this is not something that's thrown in the trash. Like this is on a public scoreboard for the company to see. 100%. Um, our expect- expectation is that they're 95% completion uh, on all of their installation checklists and paperwork and they're graded and it's on a weekly scoreboard for them to see. And you know what? Uh, our scores at the beginning were in the 60s, 70s, and now we average 95 or better on, in most cases. It's amazing. Amazing. Okay. The last step, step seven installation follow-up. So if, if step six is we try to meet their expectations and step seven, we actually try to exceed their expectations. How do we do that? Yeah. So I believe after we leave the home, most of the time, I really believe that the customer is like, that was amazing. I really believe that. And that's what we want, right? Our, our, we want to deliver wow in every step through the process. Uh, so I think that the, the, the the, the thing that kind of solidifies that you will be recommended, referred, and loved in the future is to show your appreciation of the business. But it's a little bit more than that. You want to verify the customer is happy again. The salesperson, a second party from your business needs to verify, hey, how's it going? Everything Amazing. going good? Are you happy? And we document that. We make sure that they've 
got their questions answered by the installers and then ask if they have any further questions. And then we review everything with them just to make sure. And it seems to be uh, the, the kind of the conversation goes to, we just can't tell you how much we appreciate it. And then the opportunity to ask for a review is right there. Yeah. It's right there. And, and we are getting more and more Google reviews because we're just asking for them at that stage of the process. That's so good. And I'm just thinking too, the fact that you're documenting this and asking at multiple points if they're happy, right? So so when the installer is there, this is back to step six, they're not going to leave the job site until the customer is on the same page saying, yes, we're happy with this. And that's documented. Yep. A little bit after the install, there's a follow-up call to confirm and the customer is going to tell you, you know, yeah, we're happy with this. So if a month and a half later or two months later you get a phone call because maybe there's a warranty issue or something and the customer is saying, well, this piece of junk has never worked and I, I can't believe it. I'm just, you know, because people get upset about stuff and they get emotional. Yep. You can go back to your data and say, I'm, I'm so sorry this is happening, but I know that when we talked about this on this date at this time, it was working properly and, and you mentioned that, that you were happy with it. In fact, when we actually talked a month and a half ago, you were still happy with it. I'm so sorry that this issue has come up we're going to jump on it and take care of it but you can speak with data and and people will respond to that if, if they're confronted by their own words that a yeah. month ago they were fine you're exactly right and that's why it's set up i mean uh I have been taught that you cannot change a customer's experience, right? You can't change a customer's experience. So when they're telling you about their experience, you can't change it. Well, if you realize their experience was they were happy through the entire process and just now at this point are not happy, you can remind them of that. You can remind them with evidence, with documentation. And it's a very easy conversation with saying, you know, Susan, I am not, I cannot tell you your experience has not been negative. I'm telling you right now that I am going to fix this and whatever I need to do, but I, I'm looking through the notes and it sounds like it was a pretty happy experience overall. How was the original installation? Okay, well, we don't make these products and every once in a while there are these warranty issues, but that's why you did business with us. Let us come out and show you again why we, why we do what we do. And it's a, it takes it from a negative to a positive extremely fast and, they, and it's un they can't argue it, right? Oh, I love it, man. And I want to hit one more thing. This episode is long, but I think it's really important that we cover this. So you mentioned earlier, you're not a perfect company, right? But but I would guess the mistakes that you make are way more minor than many companies that don't have any type of process that they're aiming for, okay? But if you run into a situation where something doesn't go according to plan, you have an ultimate fail-safe. And I'd like you to talk about what that is. Yeah, so... um you know, as I be, as I became a the leader in this company, and it was a, it was a gradual thing over the last six or seven years. You you start to be the last person to get that phone call, right? When 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 you don't do something right, it's like I need a manager. I need the, the person that's going to solve this for me. And by being in that role for the last five or six years, I realized that there are some times when we would leave a job incomplete and not have done one thing. In regards to it. Oh, I've then. been there. And I, I, I'm like, well, no, that doesn't happen. But it did. You have things that fall through the cracks. When a customer expects to have a completed job that day and you don't complete it for no reasons that are the customer's fault, then it's an urgent incomplete. Yeah. And it's, it's at the utmost important. So on installation and service, if we intend to fix, finish that installation or service, and it is not finished for one reason or the other. It goes on our urgent incomplete list. 
It's reviewed weekly. It's uh, discussed. It's solved. And the goal is to have that urgent and complete wrapped up pre prior to the next meeting, which is one week later. And I love uh, it. since we've done that, I mean, it's, it's, again, there's still things that maybe slip through the cracks, but I'm talking like one thing a year, maybe. And, and we have a mentality here. It's deliver. Wow. And so like, if I have a, an install where it's a bad blower and I don't have that blower in stock, but I have that unit on the floor, I'm taking that unit, that blower off my showroom floor, getting that installation done and dealing with the problem internally. So along with the urgent and complete list, we have actually like a robbed parts list off the showroom and warehouse that then, then we mine down and make sure, okay, has this been ordered? Okay, now it's in. Is it been done? And we check that on a weekly basis as well because it's ultimately about finishing what we promised we would finish. Do what you say. Amazing. And that sounds a lot like managing expectations, right? If their expectation was that the job would get done at this point and for some reason it wasn't done, it cannot fall through the cracks. You yeah. have to have a way to guarantee that, yes, this didn't quite go according to plan, but here's what we're going to do, and we're going to make it right by this time. And I love the fact that it's reviewed weekly. You, I mean, you make, everybody's there, right? Like sales, oh, someone yeah. from installation, the inside yeah. office staff, like everyone's yeah. got a presence there. And people know, like, we got to throw everything at this so it's not on the list next week. No question. No question. I mean, and it's amazing because we can actually solve most of the problems in those meetings, our leadership meetings. Uh, you have, if you have all the information there, you put the plan together and it's, it's done. It's, it's not a, as much of a stress. And we you hold people the, accountable to it, right? So if, so if, if one person says, I will take this, they're held oh, accountable to it at the next oh, meeting. Oh, a- absolutely. All the actions from one meeting to the other are carried over and reviewed before the meeting even starts. I love it, Grant. This has been incredible. I, I know that for people listening to this, when they have downtime, if, if, if they can start to put these things in place, man, their installation team will be able to make them so much money. They'll be able to have a customer experience that is unlike any of their competition who's just doing this stuff willy-nilly. And, I, and I'm just appreciative that you're here opening up your playbook. I love talking about this type of stuff and installations are my passion. This company depends on installation for growth, for profit, for everything. I truly believe if each dealer thinks about installation in the way that we're talking about here, we can change our industry. We can have increases where we've never seen increases because we only have so much we can install in those 130 days. And if we're all capitalizing on how to install more because the demand is there, gosh, what, what can we do? I mean, manufacturers should be involved in getting the installation team set up like this. We all should be involved in getting our dealers to install as many products. And don't listen, as a sales rep, don't listen to, I'm out eight weeks. No, I can't handle that. Like, okay, how many crews? Do you have one crew out eight weeks? Criminal. You have, if you're out six weeks with one crew, start to get a second crew. Yeah. If you're out six weeks with two crews, man, it starts to come back. You want to keep adding crews and it all comes back to investment and payoff. If you have any more questions about this, I love talking about installation. So don't be afraid to reach out to me. Uh, the information's all over the FireTime Network. Well, yeah. And I'm going to say too, that for people in the FireTime Network, if they go to the courses section, they're going to be able to find your course delivering the perfect installation. And I'm going to tell you, it is a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. So Grant, thanks for being here today. I'm super excited to talk about service with you next week. Sounds good, Sam. Wow, that was a loaded conversation. And I hope that you all got as much out of it as I did. 
And I know that this is a long episode, but this topic is so important. And I think a mistake that we make is that when we talk about installation, very often we jump straight to the technical. And I'm not against technical a bit. We need to know our clearances. We need to understand how to read a manual. That's amazing. What I don't think we talk about enough is the holistic approach to how we run an installation department. And I love what Grant talked about there. Those seven steps of setting, managing, and exceeding a customer's expectations are unbelievable. And as I work with businesses, this is something that we talk about. The idea that what if your customer experience built momentum as you went? Starting out in the showroom, they have this amazing experience with the salesperson that sets up what it will be like when someone comes out to the house. Because the expectation was set properly, when the person comes out to the house, the customer is excited. They love what they see, and they can't believe that the company actually lived up to what they said. The person out at the house communicates clearly and makes the customer feel like this is the best solution in the world. After they purchase, when the scheduling team calls, they go over everything and it's exactly as the customer thought. When installers show up on site, they don't park in the driveway. They park in the street. They ask for permission to park in the driveway. They protect the workspace. They explain things to the customer before they use a single tool. That's an amazing customer experience. If along the way, while they're at the job site, They document, they take pictures, they use levels, they follow a signature installation process, and at the end, patiently explain to the customer how to use the product, and then finally ask if they're happy with their work. That's a great customer experience. And I'm telling you, that momentum building is how you make marketing really cheap, because you win tons of referral business. As icing on the cake, imagine this customer two weeks later gets a phone call or a thank you card from the business just checking in to see how they're doing. Maybe they throw in a $5 Starbucks gift certificate. These are the things that make a difference. If you think back to my episode with Bridget Brennan, she talked about how an amazing customer experience is not the norm, and I think we can all attest to that. I would say many of our companies are guilty of very rarely exceeding a customer's expectations. This doesn't mean you're a bad company, but I would say that most companies in our industry meet a customer's expectations and a lot of the time barely. The mistakes aren't egregious enough for a huge falling out, but it also doesn't really shock and awe them with how good they felt about it. If you can build a consistent process like Grant talked about by following these seven steps, by training your installers, It will absolutely change the way that your customers talk about you. This is low-hanging fruit, especially right now as there's had to have been layoffs. This is an opportunity for you to redirect your installation team. Even if you're bringing back the same people as before, you can carve out a new direction now that was never there before. I know that there's all kinds of questions about this. And I would love it if you emailed them to me. My email address is tim at itsfiretime.com. That's tim at itsfiretime.com. If you send those to me, the last episode of this season is going to be a Q&A episode that Grant Falco and I do going through all the questions that we're getting about these eight different departments of a winning hearth business. And 
every single week as we get done with these conversations, we look at each other and we think, man, this is the most important department. Installation is really important. Your installers are the front lines of your company. They represent you. And this means they need to be taken care of and they need to be given a path to win. As you follow the steps that we laid out today, you're going to find that your team members are engaged. They want to win and they're going to know that they're part of something bigger than themselves. It can be scary to start this out, especially if you haven't had much accountability. It's easy to think, well, my team's never going to go for this. I would argue that as you start to draw a map, the team members that are the right players will absolutely follow it. And for those that aren't, it's going to be quickly made known that they're probably not the right fit. But a system like this long-term is going to attract the right kind of people to your business. And for managers and owners that are stuck on the treadmill day after day after day, creating a system like this is an example of how you do hard work up front to be able to get off that treadmill in the months that follow. So with that, I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Honestly, you might have to listen to it again with a notepad. There is a lot here. Like I mentioned last week, don't feel like you have to do all of this at once, but take it one step at a time, and I know that you're going to see a difference in your company. Now, if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you want to support it financially, you can go to patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's patreon.com slash it's fire time. Now, I can't wait to talk to you guys next week as we jump into our fourth department, which is the service department. This conversation is going to be awesome and I can't wait for you to hear it. So in the meantime, have an amazing week. Be a blessing to the people who are around you. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website, itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, And the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.